When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most American podcast network. What's Pac-Man, everybody? Welcome to the Cynical Cartoons Podcast, where today I watch Scoob with Jackson Bailey. Jackson uses he, him pronouns. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at StopTweetingMia. Thank you for listening to the Cynical Cartoons Podcast for another week. And as always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm here if you need to talk. I'm going to take a long drink of water, and then we'll jump into it. Get hydrated. That's the thing. Hell yeah. Getting hydrated and also excited to talk about Scooby-Doo, honestly. Oh, I'm just so I'm excited fucking to talk stoked. about Scooby-Doo. I got my, my, my mystery ink friend with me <laughs> that I always can go to when I, need, when I got a hankering for Scoob, and I'm like, what's new in the world of Scoob, Jackson? Let's talk about it. <laughs> I'm so excited. This movie, sitting down and watching it, and like, and it's in my notes, but it's in my notes way down toward the end. I just kept having, bubbling to the surface, the thought, wow, this movie really sucks. Like, yeah. you watch a movie, and it just, it, occasionally it bubbles up. You're like, oh, yeah, wow, I hate this. I hate everything about this. This yeah. is a bad film. Yeah, it really reeks, and it sucks because I guess that they were, like, trying to make this the Scooby-Doo Spider-Verse, right? Like, that's what I thought yeah. it was going to be when yeah. I heard about this, like, six months ago. I was like, okay. So they've got, like, Scooby-Doo and Mystery Inc. They've got a bunch of characters mm-hmm. from the Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe barf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, may- maybe they could pull this off. Like, I didn't think the Spider-Verse was going to be any good, and then it blew me away, and maybe this will be good, too. Absolutely. No, I'm stupid. I'm an idiot, and clearly this is a, a <laughs> shameless cash grab, and even more so of a cash grab than every other Scooby-Doo cash grab ever made. It's horrible. Yeah. Th- I mean, like, for some reason, nobody can ever seem to make a good Scooby-Doo like, look, hey, Scooby-Doo, the, the, the live-action one, is a great film. Whether sure. it's a good Scooby-Doo movie, I don't know, <laughs> but it's a great film. I would also argue that it kind of is, though. Like, it's, it's a deconstruction of the Scooby-Doo narrative yeah. and, like, breaks all their characters down to their bare components and then rebuilds them back up in a very 2002 kind of way. <laughs> this movie doesn't do it. But it does that. We'll do it. it. You're right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But this film was just because, yeah, like because when 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 all of the like it was announced, because you know you have Scooby Doo Mystery Inc., you have Jabba Jaw and the <laughs> Undersea 
folk. You have you have Speed Buggy, whatever the car version of Scooby Doo is. Right, Funky Phantom. You got Josie and the Pussycats. Exactly. Uh, who else? Yogi Bear could show up. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, but there's like mystery solving teens plus a talking something. So like, right. if they were gonna build a cinematic, that's what I thought it would be. It was like, oh, it's. It's a global monster, and all the mystery-solving teens have to come together and sort it out. But no, it's a movie about superheroes <laughs> for some reason. Well, well, strangely enough, it seems like what your idea for the movie was what they were trying to do a few years ago when Dax Shepard was involved. Was like when Dax Shepard oh, okay. signed on in 2016, they announced like it's going to be about like global mystery inks. So, like you get all the different teams that are very similar together, and like the whole joke is like, look at how similar they all are. That's here, great. that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Here it's like, hey, let's team up Scooby Doo with like one of the least known Hanna Barbera properties because we want to somehow make a, a a solo movie for that character. But the thing is, is that even the idea that we are both saying would be good would also be horribly cynical and bad. <laughs> like, yeah, the absolutely. the synergy going on here where they're like, hey, guess what? We're going to name drop all kinds of franchises in this movie, and all of them are owned by Warner Brothers. We got... These are all the, the brands that they mentioned in this movie. There's no, like, brands, by the way. I'm glad that they don't, like, take some time to eat yeah. some Pizza Hut and drink a Sprite or something, but <laughs> fuck it. In this movie, these characters are either mentioned or appear. Harry Potter, Wonder Woman... Blue Falcon, Dino Mutt, The Hex Girls, Captain Caveman, Dick Dasterly, Dee Dee Skies, Muttley, uh, Lord of the Rings, The Great Grape Ape, <laughs> Adamant, and Jabberjaw. <laughs> and like most of those, you don't know who the fuck those characters are. No. Like, like Dee Dee Skies is in this movie so much. Do you know where she originated? I, I had to look it up. I had to look because I okay. was like, this has got to be somebody. Yeah. And then, so, because I looked it up and DD Skies is the leader of the Captain Caveman mystery solving team. Is is she the leader of them? Because I've never seen that show, but it seemed like she would have been in like a Valerie from the Josie and the Pussycats kind of role where like she's the most competent, but also not the leader because she's a black woman in a cartoon made in the 1970s. Well, apparently she fills the Velma role is, is what the Wikipedia article said. Right. That's sort of what I expected. Like she's the most competent. She's there. She's doing stuff and everybody's like, shut the fuck up. I got this. I'm a white man. Yeah. I'm Captain Caveman. I'm the epitome <laughs> yeah. of, of a white male. I'm Captain Caveman. <laughs> well, I meant like the Fred equivalent from that show, but you, you understand. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but then because Captain Caveman is in this movie, voiced right. inexplicably by Tracy Morgan, <laughs> I thought, which was fucking left field. I did not yeah. expect that. I thought that at the end that there would be like a Diddy Sykes and Captain Caveman team up to save the day, or like are somehow, and they're like, oh, that's Hanna Barbera being like, oh, eventually we'll we'll make a Captain Caveman movie for nobody, but no, Captain right. Caveman's just in it for. <laughs> Oh, like, I don't know, one saying for no reason. Well, that's sort of the element of this that's so disgusting is that they have this opportunity to bring in all of these characters and do this also disgusting thing of like synergistically like you love Jabberjaw and Scooby-Doo and Justine the Pussycat. Yeah. So here's all the characters you love. Instead, it's like, hey, here's a bunch of characters you've never fucking heard of. And the next time if we get a sequel, maybe we'll bring in the characters that you kind of remember a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like you you have dangerously overestimated the power, the selling power <laughs> of Blue Falcon and Dee Dee Skies and Dino Mutt. Like, I don't know. Like, it wouldn't have been necessarily better, but what, what do you think would have been a better 
team-up movie from Hanna-Barbera characters? Who were you excited to see here that never showed up? Oh, man, who am I excited to see that never showed up? My God. I mean, like, the only real Hanna-Barbera characters I ever really loved were Scooby-Doo. Like, my dream film is just Scooby-Doo. That's unrealistic, Jackson. A Scooby-Doo movie about (laughs) Scooby-Doo and his friends? No, never. What am I talking (laughs) about? Set your standards lower. (laughs) (laughs) what they could have done and what i was thinking maybe was gonna happen is you get rid of blue falcon and it's just scooby-doo and a wacky racers team up and dick dastardly still the villain and i thought that might happen at some point like dick dastardly has gone evil in the way that he's evil now because of something that happened with the wacky racers but the wacky racers just weren't mentioned ever which is crazy, but I thought, and I thought as well. There's that scene at the at the at the at the fairground where Dick Dastardly is on a roller coaster cart with his little robots underneath it. I think Dino Mutt's a cart as well, and Blue Falcon and Shaggy are also in a cart. And I was like, are they gonna do a wacky racist joke? But they didn't. Yeah. It just seems weird to introduce Dick <laughs> Dastardly and never reference the wacky racist. Well, Why? that's that's the thing is that they take in all of these characters, they bring them all in, devoid completely of their subtext of who they are. Like Dee Dee Skies is hanging yeah. out with the Blue Falcon when she actually is part of the gang that hangs out with Captain Caveman. But then Captain Caveman shows up and she doesn't seem to know him. And it's like, why is any of this? <laughs> okay, why is great. anyone here? I my punch up on the movie is I yeah. really really wanted the hex girls. Clearly, yeah, some absolutely. of my favorite Scooby Doo characters probably hands down like Thorn from the Hex Girls, A plus, ten out of ten character. They even tease them a couple times in the movie, like they show up in poster yeah. form. They don't even cameo or anything. But like, I think instead of making a movie about a a white man superhero who's like obsessed with like his legacy that he's inherited from his dad what the fuck are we talking about oh my god make it about the hex girls and the scooby gang or make it about josie and the pussycats and the scooby gang like if you want to pretend like your movie has strong female characters daphne velma dd skies like yeah (laughs) like fucking do it fucking do it you know people love josie and the pussycats but they're not profitable enough to sell their own movie they're not a big enough name fucking use them to sell this one Yeah, it's crazy that instead of Josie and the Pussycats, who have had a movie, like a successful cult film, like live-action adaptation that everyone loves. And have a a long-running comic book, like they're still a part of the cultural zeitgeist. People love that band. More people remember Josie and the Pussycats than they'll ever remember Jabberjaw. Like, (laughs) we gotta just accept that in this life of ours, you know? But no, for some reason, they don't even get a mention at no point. There's a line in this movie... Um, just after Shaggy and Scooby get taken away by the Blue Falcon and Velma and Daphne and Fred go to the bowling alley to find them and they ask the lady that works at the bowling alley, have you seen Shaggy around? And the lady at the bowling alley says, oh yeah, there was a guy in here and he said like a lot in his sentences, like an old man might think a hippie speaks like. But I don't think you can say that in your film when all the dialogue sounds like what an old man thinks a teenager sounds like. You gotta be so confident. They're they're like, like trying to take down the original series for being written by a bunch of old white men that don't know what teenagers sound like. And then you look at the people that wrote this movie and they're all like uninspired old white men. And you're like, the moment that's really indicative of this whole film for me, right? is towards the end of the movie when, um, like, they're talking about the Mystery Machine the whole time. They're like, oh, this old piece Mm. of shit. Like, she's going to break down. Mystery Machine breaks down, and then Blue Falcon gives them a new Mystery Machine that's like, 
it's it's the same, but it's newer, and it looks the same, but mm. it's newer, and it's different, but it looks the same. And it's like <laughs> yeah. that's this whole fucking movie, and that's every Scooby Doo reboot. To be Absolutely. fair, they're all cynical, but like this movie makes so many decisions where they're like, hey, here's a new, here's a new mystery machine for no reason, or. Fred doesn't wear an ascot in the movie for no reason. And then at the end, he puts on his ascot for no reason. And you're like, why are you? This doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> who cares? What the fuck are you talking about? Well, yeah, who gives a shit if he's put on the ascot? And it's it's weird to have that happen, which is like, they're like, oh, like classic Scooby-Doo. The gang is back. This is what you wanted, right? Yeah, but it happens when the mystery machine is destroyed because Fred's so cut about that. But that's never been a characterization of Fred. So... You're giving me, like, a thing that means nothing, and you're saying that it means every... You know what I mean? Right. You're like, this this emotional moment isn't emotional, and it's <laughs> not like a classic Scooby-Doo thing, so it doesn't make sense <laughs> that he would be putting on a classic Scooby-Doo outfit. It's so strange. Shall we go through the plot of the film? Yeah, we should We should absolutely do that. I have a lot of notes here. Are you okay if this takes, like, an hour and a half? Because Jesus fucking Christ, of this course. movie. Of course. I would have been furious. I was furious. I was yelling at the screen in my in my home. I would have been a lot more mad if I had seen this in theaters. This yes, is not oh, a theatrical Jesus. quality film. It's fucking terrible. It even it like looks really bad. Like it looks yeah. like it was made in 2010. Like I don't know why. And like, hey, I'm sure we'll talk about it. Yeah. But Simon Cowell's in this movie oh a bunch. Oh my god. <laughs> But Simon Cowell's face looks like a weird Polar Express version of Simon Cowell's face. Right. But everybody else's face are cartoons, and it's so <laughs> unpleasant to look at. Especially at the moment where they, they take off a mask of a cartoon character, and then underneath it is a hyper-realistic Simon Cowell, and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, how is that? <laughs> he doesn't match this universe. It doesn't make no. any sense. Why does... I, it's just oh. so baffling how often the Simon Cowell stuff comes back. Like, Simon Cowell was at the end in the in the, in the the special credits thing of Shrek 2 yeah. for Far Away Idol, and, and that was a dated reference. So the fact that Simon <laughs> Cowell is somehow in 2020's Scoob is just... It's disgusting. It's it's so weird because there, there's two elements to this that I want to break down, right? Of the Simon Cowell sure. being the celebrity cameo. Strange. Yeah. Um, number one is that they have much bigger stars in this movie than Simon Cowell. Like, they cast yeah. Zach Efron, they cast fucking um Will Forte and Christina Hendricks and Mark Wahlberg in this movie, mm-hmm. and those are all much bigger stars than Simon Cowell. And so it's like, yeah, one, why can't you get a better celebrity cameo? Two, if you want all of those people in your movie, just make them dumbass celebrity cameos. And then, like, get real voice actors to play these characters. I mean, like, you can see all over Twitter that the current voice actors for, like, the cartoon version of the Scooby-Doo characters are so, so upset. And you can, like, it's, like, Will Forte does, I guess, an admirable job of doing, like, a shaggy impression. That is the hardest disagree. That is such, that is the biggest disagreement I've ever had with anybody on this show, Jackson. And you're lucky that we have a rapport, (laughs) because I will allow you to say it. Phew. (laughs) I'm glad you didn't just end the Zoom meeting just then. <laughs> Goodbye. That, that would have been so fair. Um, like, yeah. it wasn't good, but it was like, I knew that it was shaggy, but Daphne, even Fred, like, they didn't sound like Daphne. Yeah, like, Velma, Velma's bad, too. Oh, Velma's so bad. It's so weird because, like, 
it's a situation where you understand why they want to bring in all of these yeah. actors and get big names behind a studio theatrically released movie. I understand why you would do that, right? But like these are character these are actors that have played these characters for the last 20 years. They're they're the mm. main actors that have played these characters for the last 20 years and they picked up the legacy from the last actors who played these characters for 20 or 30 years who both fucking died. So like yeah. Yeah, these like the the actors Gray Delisle and Matthew Lillard should at least be given an audition, but they didn't even know the movie was yeah. happening until the cast was announced and it's like that's real gross, guys. Like come on. That's so rough. I guess it's it's like a weird thing. Like th- this film it's so hard to figure out not the target audience necessarily, but clearly you get a celebrity voice actor because you don't have the confidence in the selling powder, selling powder, <laughs> the selling power right. of the film like in and of itself. So you're like, well, if we say Zac Efron's in it, if we say Mark Wahlberg's in it, that's like star power. People are going to come and watch it. But also those are celebrities like Mark Wahlberg is not appealing to children. And is the film aimed at children? It should be. It it is it is it skews very young I would say, but it does that weird thing where all of the references are for people who, like it's it's Blue Falcon, but a kid isn't going to know who Blue Falcon or Dick Dastardly are. So why are they Dick Dastardly and Blue Falcon? What's the right? What's, it's like when they re- reboot like a eighties cartoon for like a modern audience where you're like the kids don't know who this is, so they don't care. And it's not for the, like, adults who watch it as a kid, so they don't care. So who's getting anything out of this? Like, I don't know. I don't understand. And and they do, like, a lot of updating to the humor of the original show. Like, instead of a lot of, like, pot-smoking jokes now, it's, like, jokes about Tinder or... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The they, Tinder they joke. They get on Instagram. We... <laughs> yeah, talk about the Tinder joke. Let's talk about the Tinder joke, because the joke's so... Um, Blue Falcon or Brian right. is like, hey, something, something that I read on the internet. And then Dynamut is like, remember the last time you read something on the internet? You thought that Tinder was a place to get firewood online. But that means that all he did was get what Tinder is wrong. And like, it's not even like it's implied that he went out and had a gay hookup, which <laughs> would be like the kind of joke that I can imagine this movie making maybe 10 years ago. But all it means right. is that he was like, oh, Tinder is this. And Dynamite was like, you idiot, you <laughs> moron. That's not what Tinder. Like, it was the safest Tinder joke imagine. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, look, that, yeah, that whole joke was so strange. I, I will say, though, the, the second part, part due of my issue with Simon Cowell being in this movie yeah, please. Is it it just points out what like insane starfuckers Scooby and Shaggy are. <laughs> that literally they see somebody who they know is a celebrity and they're like, I'm gonna sing for this guy. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna suck his fucking dick. I'm gonna suck the Blue Falcon's dick. Yeah. I'm gonna do it because they just like, <laughs> like I know that in the original cartoon they're like, oh, oh, geez, Scoob, oh, it's it's Dick Cavett, and you're like, you don't fucking care about Dick Cavett. Shut up. <laughs> Rockets, Rick ran right. (laughs) (laughs) Like when you take away like the joke of the thing, like in the new show, the new Scooby-Doo cartoon, they every week they meet some celebrity and it's like a joke that they care about meeting Ricky Gervais. And that's kind of a funny idea. Yeah. Here, they're so incredibly excited to meet Simon Cowell. And it's like, fuck, this sucks. They're the yeah, worst. It, it's so strange. Like, I don't relate to Scooby and Shaggy being 
impressed that Simon Cowell is here. Like, I'm not like, yeah, like every teen, I love Simon Cowell. I'm absolutely with them. Also, really baffling that um, they go to Simon Cowell, who's like everybody's touchstone, I think, for Simon Cowell, obviously, is American Idol. Yeah, But they're going to Simon Cowell for financial advice about how to make money as Mystery Inc., which is just... (laughs) Like, yeah. I don't know who would have been better for that role, but why Simon Cow? Well, I mean, and I guess it's even less so that they're looking for financial advice about the team, but more that they're like, how do we rebrand our image? Let's find somebody who's really hip and with it and knows what's hip and hot. <laughs> yeah. Simon Cowell. No, thank you. That doesn't That's... make any sense. <laughs> that. That does not check. <laughs> so so they have a lunch with Simon Cowell, and we're skipping over all the kids' stuff. We might mm-hmm. come back to it. It was fucking stupid. Who cares? Yeah. They, they have a lunch with Simon Cowell, Mystery Inc. does, and Simon Cowell is like, look, you're the brawn, you're the brains, you're the bimbo, you two are useless, and then Shaggy and Scooby are like, <laughs> well, if that's how you all feel, then we're out of here. <laughs> and the rest of the gang is like, we didn't actually say, we don't agree with him. We think that you're cool and you're our friends and we like having you around. And Scooby and Shaggy are like, no, no, we're, we're Splitsville. We're doing the classic Scooby-Doo trope of going bowling. You know how Shaggy <laughs> and Scooby love bowling and everybody knows that's a thing they love doing? Great. What a touchstone for the franchise bowling. And you know what? If you really want to build up the Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe, put Fred Flintstone in the background. Fred Flintstone and yeah, Barney going absolutely. out with the Brontosaurus gang, bowling up a storm. That would be great. Really, this film, like a way they could have done it, I don't know if it would have necessarily been better, is just to be like, it's like a, it's like a, a who framed Roger Rabbit situation where the Hanna-Barbera cartoons and skin people all live in the same <laughs> world together. And then you can do background stuff, you can chuck in stuff like the Flintstones, Well, whatever, it's no big deal. Here's the thing, Jackson, they already made that movie and mm. it was superior, it was called Looney Tunes Back in Action. And it had oh, that's true. exactly like Roger Rabbit kind of animation and literally Shaggy and Scooby do appear in it. <laughs> not, not actually a good movie, but much better than this and a much better. <laughs> Damn. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I don't know why the movie decided to separate Shaggy and Scooby from the rest of the gang for so much of the film. Scooby-Doo movies seem to think that Shaggy and Scooby are the best part of Scooby-Doo. But they're not. They're <laughs> annoying, and they always... No matter what movie they're in, they're the ones I want to hear about the least. <laughs> like, like Scooby and Shaggy were off with Blue Falcon, and I was right, like, shut right. up. I don't care. And I also don't care about how Scooby and Shaggy became friends. That's not something... How yeah. a boy got a dog is not something <laughs> that needs to be answered. <laughs> 
he bought him. What happened? Yeah, it's always so weird how these movies think that we, the audience, want to see Shaggy and Scooby alone by themselves because all their friends fucking hate them (laughs) and like separated from everybody and being (laughs) fucking losers. I mean, this is the exact same plot of the Scooby-Doo movie from 20 years ago. Yeah. It's the exact same shit. It's like Scooby is the chosen one. Shaggy feels left out. Scooby feels like he finally gets to accomplish something. They both feel like they don't bring enough to Mystery Inc., contribute or something yeah right and it's like well simon cowell came to mystery inc and said hey so i know that you are a team of four human beings that solve mysteries and one talking dog i'm gonna tell you right now that talking dog is not essential um (laughs) simon cowell you're wrong he's a fucking he's a talking dog he's a talking dog he's the main point Without him, they they are just the funky phantom without the phantom. Like, it's literally, the talking dog is the (laughs) one thing that makes them good. It's what separates them from every other mystery-solving team. There was, I think there was one scene, I think it's when Velma, Fred, and Daphne are, like, trying to find, I think it's the awful, awful cop scene, you know, where, where Fred gets horny for a cop or whatever. Oh, my God. Um, And in that scene, I was like, why has nobody ever done... Because we, on another episode of Cynical Cartoons, we talked about the movie where Daphne and Velma became friends, the live-action right, Daphne and right. Velma movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, why has nobody done a movie about how Fred and Daphne, who, like, it makes sense for them to be friends. Right. They're both, like, popular. They're a hunk and a babe. That's, that's just, that's how life works. But why are they both such good friends and clearly better friends with Velma than they are with Shaggy and... Sc- like... That's right. a movie I would like to say. Well, That's what I would like to hear about. Well, I, th- I think the main problem is that the way that the team is broken down all the time is that Fred, Velma, Daphne are the boring ones, quote unquote, and Shaggy and Scooby are the funny ones. That's not the way that I see Mystery Inc. at all. As characters, I think, like on a level of most to least interesting, Velma's the most Mm-hmm. Then Shaggy, then Scooby, then Daphne, then Fred. Like, yeah. But but they always lump them all in together as characters. So I'd like to talk about Mystery Inc. and the weird way they're characterized in this movie. Absolutely. They don't do most of their most iconic things. Like mm. Velma doesn't say jinkies. She doesn't drop her glasses. Fred doesn't set a trap. <laughs> You're right. There was no like classic Scoop. It's like this movie didn't want to be about Scooby Doo at all. There was no mystery to solve. Oh there was my no God. ghost. No, there wasn't. No horror tropes. And yeah, in fact, at one point, doesn't Fred say jinkies? And Velma looks at him like, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Don't say jinkies. Right. And, and it's like, they think. Well, does this movie think we hate Scooby Doo? <laughs> they, they think that jinkies is like an outdated term that it's like. In Star Wars, when people say, like, I've got a bad feeling about this, and everybody in the scene is like, okay, fuckhead, whatever. Like, it's not like Jinkies is a term that's specific to the 60s because it's cemented in Scooby-Doo lore, and so it's specific to Scooby-Doo, which you're making a movie about. You absolutely hit the nail on the head when you're like, this movie is just so cynical. Like, it's weird to go into a movie about a franchise where the movie thinks that you as the audience hate the franchise like that's such a strange they're gonna reinvent the wheel that's what everyone's clamoring for we're all like scooby-doo is boring it's dull (laughs) who cares i want superheroes that's what i like in my movies caveman voiced by tracy morgan that's what i need that's what i as a viewer well i'm craving like they've been dealt sort of a hard hand because it's like how do you characterize 
Fred, Daphne, Velma in a different way than they've been done before. Especially Daphne is always the hardest nut to crack. People don't know what to do with her because she, in the original series, is just a bimbo that gets caught all the time. Like, she's just like a mean girl that has a lot of money, that gets caught a lot of the time, and has been characterized as being romantic with Fred, which is gross, but whatever. See, I always think, the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, it's so it's so easy, I think, to make a Scooby-Doo movie that would appeal to a modern audience. I think the best characterization you can do of Fred is like a big himbo. Loves everybody, muscly, stupid as hell. I think that's funny. Fred could be the funniest character in Scooby-Doo. Do you think that's what they were trying to do here? Because he he is by far the horniest character. Yeah, and the stupidest, but he doesn't come off as like, sweet and like innocent stupid That's which i think true. he should where you're like oh he's he's just kind of like a like it like an idiot but he's lovable and he cares about his friends and that's nice right but no in this it's kind of like a weird annoying stupid and everybody seems really sick of him for some reason i think yeah. daphne if you want to characterize her and the movie tries to do this and misses the mark completely they're like she's the empath and imagine if daphne was treated like the steven universe so Daphne is solving every problem with every villain by empathizing with them and showing compassion and being like, hey, Dick Dastardly, you just love your dog. Let's talk about that. You know what I mean? Right. Why are you so upset? I think that would be great for Daphne. And then Velma, you just make a big sarcastic lesbian and you're done. And I don't know, Shaggy, whatever. He's just a wastoid. Who cares? (laughs) Yeah, and and that's the thing, is that all of the characteristics that we're talking about them doing, they kind of try and do so lazily, just so, so lazily, Mm. where, like, with with Daphne, they're like, Daphne's the empath. Daphne solves every problem by caring about people and being nice and being charming, but instead in this movie, she cleans a vacuum hose and becomes the robot's mom— And that's the only thing she does in the entire movie. It's like, Daphne, say literally one fucking interesting thing in this entire movie, please. She will not. She refuses to be interesting. Give us a reason, Daphne, for you existing in this movie. Right. Yeah, didn't. And and, and yeah, like, I I think I have somewhere in my notes that Daphne's, like, the minion characters like her. Like, that's, that's it. That's, that's all. She gets, like, the classic tropes of somehow the vacuum cleaner minion makes all the other minions love Daphne right and and there's a scene where all the robots fight Cerberus and there's like triumphant music like Daphne did it and you're like no but but she didn't right exactly what, what is any of this this movie is so caught up in trying to be as appealing as possible and trying to hit theaters in every state in every country in the world which is not an element anymore because it's not in theaters it's on VOD so you fucked up hard Because, like, you (laughs) neutered it beyond belief. Like, you were just saying, like, Velma is supposed to be, like, a smart, sarcastic, queer as fuck. Mm -hmm. That's a modern interpretation of Velma, and they haven't been able to do it before. And this is, like, a big grand scale. Like, hey, you can make her gay. It's 2020. You can can one-up Disney. You can do it. Instead, Velma can't be gay, but Fred can want to fuck Dick Dastardly dressed up like a porno cop. Yeah. And then Dick Dastardly takes off his costume and... Fred still wants to fuck him, but Velma can't just, like, make eyes at the bowling alley girl. Stupid. Shitty. Yeah, yeah. Terrible we're not, movie. Allowed, we're not allowed that. And, like, I, 
Daphne as like the the compassionate, empathetic character makes so much sense when you realize that none of the other Scooby-Doo characters have that. Like Velma, great character, but she sucks with people. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's rude. Exactly. That's even kind of present in the early Scooby-Doo cartoons, but it's never characterized here. Fred, same thing, kind of like full of himself and Shaggy just sucks or whatever. Like it's, it's so strange that when, like you said, Daphne's such a hard nut to crack, nobody's ever gone in that direction. I, I guess almost Mystery Inc. kind of. They also, they get so close to making, making Velma uh, have a girlfriend in Mystery Inc. as well. Like, that's, I feel like, right. the closest we came, despite some of the problems that that series does have. But then we just, <laughs> we went away from it, and now we're here in with Scoob, with an exclamation well, mark, with Blue Falcone. And, and it's such a hard thing to do because I feel like all that they've done with Daphne the entire time that she's been a character since the 1960s is try to revert what they did originally. So originally Daphne's characterization was like, she gets caught all the time. She's dumb as fuck. That's it. Like she gets caught all the time and she's vain. She's dumb. And then after that, they were like, well, what if she like, uh, she knows how to do Kung Fu or she knows how to fix things or she's the goofball. She's the comedic relief with a brain, not like Shaggy and Scooby. Yeah. Do any of those things instead of what you do in this movie. It's not great. It's so bad. Um, Something that annoyed me and I was kind of confused by. So Dynamut is voiced by Ken Jeong. Yes. Ken Jeong is great and everybody knows Ken Jeong is great at playing like an outlandish crazy character. Like that's, sure. you think of Ken Jeong, you think of uh, Chang and Community. You think of... Like, uh, his character in, I don't know, The Hangover. Like, just, that's what Ken Jeong does. But he's, like, the most boring straight man in this movie. And I think that's so exemplary of, like, the, the like, we just get star power for star power's sake. They're like, right. it's Ken Jeong. And you're like, oh, a comedic actor. That'll be, that'll be funny. No. The, the closest Dynamut gets to making a joke is when somebody's searching through him and he's like, don't look at my search history. Yeah. Because presumably Dynamut, the robot dog, is jerking off to some crook shit and he doesn't <laughs> yeah. want anyone knowing about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the yeah. implication there. And, and do you that's think right. that that's what it was, was that they gave his character, like, only straight-edge stuff to say and they were like, you're the exposition bot. You do the exposition. Also, your other character that you stand next to also does exposition. Dee Dee Skies... Is also an exposition person, um, and then he was like, "Well, let me get let me get crazy with it. Let me do some fun stuff." And they were all like, "Okay, fucking whatever." And the producers took a nap while he went off and talked about Tinder yeah. and did jokes about his internet search history. And then they kept two of them in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were like, "We'll keep the tamest jokes you made in the film, <sighs> Ken Jeong." I mean, that's how that's our plan for you. I I found him infinitely more tolerable than fucking Brian the Blue Falcon. Like, oh, Brian is 100%. the fucking worst character in film history. Oh, my God. I hate him. 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 I don't know at what point we were meant to empathize with him. Like, no. surely, because at the end, they're like, hey, now he is a superhero. But right. at no point did they ever, like, put in the work to make me care. Here's who would empathize with Brian in my mind is straight, cis, white men, rich, come from a family legacy of, like, doctors or lawyers or presidents or politicians or something, and they're like, I feel so much pressure on me to become a doctor because my dad and my granddad are both doctors. So I don't want to become a doctor, but 
my legacy, my bones, my blood tell me that I have to be like mm. that is what his character is about. And it 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 is so exemplary and so indicative of this thing that goes on in Hollywood right now, especially this conversation is very big of like. Ray Skywalker was created to be a character that does not have a legacy, and that's what makes her special, is that she is powerful on her own. She's more powerful than the legacy characters, but instead they make her a Palpatine because blood is more powerful than random circumstance. And yeah, yeah. Brian is supposed to be the Blue Falcon. Everybody around him is more competent than he is. Like, Dee Dee Skies is, and Dino Mutter, both like these like straight-edge, like, I would do your job better than you. But his arc in the movie isn't about like, I'm shit at this. I should be good at this, but I'm bad at it. So I should give it up to somebody who's better. Yeah. Yeah. It's about like, I should just buckle down and be good at it. It's not even like I should buckle down. He, he just, you're right. By, just the, by the end, he's still a fuckhead. Just, yeah. Yeah. But he's just like, Oh, I just have to do it. That's, that's my right. message is that inherently I'm good at it. And I just need to accept that. Yeah. It is, Insane, isn't it, really, if you think about it, that the African-American female character and the Asian-voiced dog (laughs) both have to go to the straight, cis, white male character like, you're great, we're here for you. Yes, That's insane. It's it's insane because I was watching interviews because I was interested. I love Kiersey Clements as an actor, right? She does a serviceable job in this movie. Her character is boring as shit. They don't do anything with Dee Dee. But fucking i tried to find an interview with her talking about her character because i was like what does kiersey clements think this character is about i play dd and Didi is a pilot of the falcon fury she gets everyone where, where they need to be on time and handles all of these different personalities that are happening around her at the same time and she plays a very big part in leading shaggy and scooby to safety basically what she said about her character is like her character is really important to the legacy because she gets everybody where they need to go and gives everybody pep talks. And I'm like, you turned this character into the black driver, and... That sucks. Oh, that sucks so much. She's literally just there to be like, Blue Falcon, you can do it. (laughs) You're important. I work for you. It's so... It's such shit. I hate this movie. Yeah, me me too. I can't can't stand it. Every... Watching it... it, It's so... It's like an hour and a half long, but somehow it felt like I was watching a four to five hour movie. Yeah, I watched it twice. It it felt like a week. Oh. It's fucking miserable. Mia, why? (laughs) Because I watched it once to suck up everything, and then I had to watch it again to make sure that I got everything down in my notes. And I think that I really fleshed out my problems with it on the second viewing. No, that's fair. That's fair. I'm sure, I'm sure I would have gotten something more coherent, but I was full of a white hot rage by the end of it. I just couldn't. The only characters that I thought were almost and, and not, let me preface it by saying they weren't, but almost characterized in a way that I nearly liked was Dick Dastardly and Muttley. The closest this movie got to an emotional anything is when <laughs> Dick Dastardly gets into the underworld and he's like my treasure and you think he's running for the treasure but instead he runs for Muttley and then he picks up Muttley and gives him a hug I was like that's great not enough movies are like here is the villain and the villain has a best friend that's and they love doing crime together and their emotional bond is is great like you could have made this movie you know (laughs) if you wanted to do something interesting and I thought maybe they'd go in this direction but they didn't you could be like 
Scooby and Shag, you know, they are having this falling out or whatever. Maybe Dick Dastardly and Muttley's love for each other could have made Scooby and Shag reassess their relationship. And they're like, look, they get on so well whilst they're like robbing famous landmarks or whatever. Like, that could be us, Scoob. Oh, Raggy, all right. Yeah, see, that would be nice. (laughs) Well, well, and and the thing that this movie tries to do, the the reason that I disagree with you there, I did think they were kind of cute together. Please. They they were better characterized than most of the cast. I will say that I was kind of disgusted by that moment because it's a weird, cynical, like, this is a movie about a boy and his dog and a boy and his dog and a boy and his dog and another boy and his dog. And I'm like, fucking mm. get over yourself. Can you fucking shut up for five <laughs> seconds? Because, like, they just realized that there were so many characters in the Hanna-Barbera universe that all had dogs. They, like, in a very Batman v Superman way, they were just like, what if we just, like, made that the thing and the audience will like pick up <laughs> on it that's the point <laughs> yeah and and so uh, that is a good point and and so at the end of the movie they set up this thing that i think was reshot or something because the end of this movie makes no fucking sense who cares oh it's so strange at, yeah. at the end of the movie they set up something where it's about a door to the riches right that can only be sealed off and cerberus can only be sealed inside by a dog and his best friend the human and it's this whole thing about, like, the descendant of Cerberus is the only person that can seal it off or whatever, and so it has to be Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. But they they literally have a door that has a paw print on one side and a handprint from a human on the other side, and I'm like, okay, this would be kind of an interesting moment if Dick Dastardly and Muttley, they were the ones who sacrificed themselves because they realized the world would be destroyed if they didn't, and they're willing to do it because they can see that Scooby and Shaggy's bond is so strong. Or Dino Mutt and Blue Falcon. Brian gets locked away forever, gives up the, the title to Dee Dee. I don't fucking know anything other than what they did. Yeah, no, I see, I see what you mean. Like, I'm always a fan of the, the, the villainous take. Like, obviously, I don't want to destroy the world. Because if I destroy the world, what is there to rob the Eiffel Tower from? I'm so on the world. That would have been a... Yeah, I live here. It getting wrecked by hell is bad for me, Dick Dastardly. <laughs> right. So if Dick Dastardly was like, we'll, we'll fuck off into hell and we'll just chill there and we'll find a way out. Sorry, everybody. Great. I love it. Yeah, I thought it was weird that this movie spent so much, so long being like, Dick Dastardly is the villain. And then at the end, they were like, no, 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 no. Cerberus is the, like, that's the big fight. Yeah, in the literally the last 15 minutes of the movie, they bring out the big monster that they're supposed to fight. And it's like... I don't know. It's just so fucking stupid. It's exhausting. In, yeah, right. So in that moment where Cerberus, the hound of hell, the three-headed dog of hell, shows up and all of Mystery Inc. indiscriminately is like, we need to fight this thing and seal it back inside this tomb. Uh, we're not going to question its existence. We're not going to say, hey, maybe it's projectors or maybe well, ghosts aren't real, so let's test it. Like, that's the thing. There is no mystery in this movie. The only mystery is Fred... Velma, Daphne, trying to find Shaggy and Scooby, and we fucking know where they are the whole movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've been told. So, like, it gets the end uh. of the movie where they're fighting Cerberus, and you're like, okay, so Velma here should be like, I know what's happening here. I can figure it out here. There's projectors there and there and there, and then Fred tries mm. to fight it, and he goes through it, and he's like, oh, it's a ghost. It's fake, or it's real. But there's nothing like that. They're like, indiscriminately, this thing is real, and it's actually from hell, and hell does exist, and we do believe in ghosts now. That's it. This, that's yeah. I don't know. Like I was expecting, and like it's so optimistic of me. But I was like, surely there's gonna be like a moment where they're like, oh, wait a second. And I thought, you know, because they set up earlier, they're like, oh, the real Blue Falcon is 
is you know in the Bahamas or some shit. Like oh. I was like, oh, maybe there's gonna be some reveal where like Dick Dastardly is the real Blue Falcon test. Te- I don't know, testing his son or something. I I thought awful. I thought but you then- were saying that like the real Blue Falcon would be mad that his son took his mantle and decided to orchestrate oh, yeah, this whole thing too. to dismantle him. Yeah, like anything other that would than be what great. Yeah, or, or like I kind of thought when the Blue Falcon was first introduced. I thought maybe it was going to be, again, like, he's like, yeah, I am the Blue Falcon. And then the reveal at the end would be like, no, he's not. He's been dick dastardly this whole time. And Scooby and Shaggy, you've been sucked in because you're idiots or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> you stupid oh moron. fucking God. You're right. There's so many different ways they could have done this movie that made more sense. Like, at one point, Daphne even says, she, like, almost looks at camera when she says this. She's like, and the thing is that this is the most important mystery we've ever solved because... Our friends' lives are on the line, and it's not just a guy in a spooky mask this time. And it's like, well, fucking guess what? Their lives aren't on the line. We know that they're just, like, off eating ice cream with fucking <laughs> Blue Falcon in space, and that they'll just show up tomorrow. Like, like Fred, Daphne, and Velma could have not even known about any of this happening and not shown up, and it would not have changed the outcome at all. Wow, that is absolutely true. They are really useless for this whole movie. Wow, I didn't even... Huh. They they just don't need to be there. That's crazy. The the ending is real horseshit, and it's it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. Where Shaggy? Okay, this is ridiculous. I'm sorry that it, if it seems like I'm dominating this conversation, I don't mean to. I have Please. a lot to say. I'm ranting. Uh, I, I, get, hate I get this it. movie. I absolutely understand. Okay, great. Um, so at the end of the movie, Shaggy and Scooby come to the door where one of them has to be sealed inside for all eternity in hell with Cerberus the dog. It's implied that they will pick Scooby-Doo because he is the descendant of Cerberus or whatever. Instead, Shaggy decides to sacrifice himself. And this is really fucked up, right? Because on the one hand, Scooby-Doo is a dog. Okay, great. Dogs are less (laughs) important than human beings. That is a fact. I'm sorry. That's true. That's just a a solid fact. I'm glad you said it. It's true. Number two, he is an 11-year-old Great Dane. Those motherfuckers live like nine or ten years tops. So, like, he's going to die pretty soon anyway. Shaggy's a 20-year-old man in the prime of his life who just uh, fucking wants to die, I guess. And then there's this whole, like, weird complex thing about in the movie where they're like, Shaggy and Scooby aren't important and they feel bad about it. Then Scooby learns that he's important. So Shaggy feels inadequate because he's not important. So at the end of the movie, he decides to sacrifice his life because he's not important and he wants to do something significant. So he becomes a martyr and chooses to fucking kill himself so that he can be important. And I'm like, what the, what are you trying to say what, here? What the fuck? What is the message there? I don't and then, no, then he comes back. <laughs> yeah. He comes back out of like a magic statue <laughs> Which, that appears. Like, and then there's a dance sense. sequence. <laughs> Great. Yeah. The end. <laughs> well, it is so stupid because like, they're like, okay, so, this guy locked his dog away inside the, the, the whatever, the other realm, Alexander's right? tomb, who knows, Right, yeah. and so Alexander must have designed a way to get his dog back afterwards. And it's like, no, no, the point of this is what? that he would never get his dog back. So, like, <laughs> yeah. we've seen so many different things set up throughout the movie of, like, Dick Dastardly designed a portal that goes into this thing, but he couldn't get his dog back. Mm. Fucking, that makes more sense. Send the dog in and then go to Dick Dastardly and say, hey... I know that we're enemies, but whatever, we can see, you can see that we have this bond, so make that portal get our dog back, and then they could all redesign yeah. it and work on it together. 
I don't fucking know. Absolutely. And also, like, you know, you were saying, like, let's get the Hex girls in. How upset were you at the very end of that movie when they're like, oh, we've got somebody to play the music. And you're like, great. They're setting up the Hex girls. And then it's Brian fucking DJing. Oh, my God. That is not what I thought. But that would make so much more sense if it was the fucking Hex girls putting on a concert or Josie and the Pussycats or literally any of the other fucking bands from the the Hanna-Barbera extended universe. Instead, yes, it is Brian the DJ because he's the greatest (laughs) white man that ever lived by the way he's Absolutely. so the film's really about brian you know somebody wanted to make a blue falcon movie and they were like let me and they were like no you can make a scooby-doo movie and they were like well okay but i'm putting blue falcon in there it, it makes no fucking sense that they decided to make that character the thing right because i talked earlier about josie and the pussycats and gem and the holograms not the most popular characters i get it right fucking who Ha- what superhero have Scooby-Doo and the gang crossed paths with 5,000 times? Batman. Mm-hmm. Fucking Batman. Yeah, put yeah. Batman in the movie. He's like the most popular character that Warner Brothers owns. Why not put him in mm-hmm. the movie? It would make so much fucking sense. And it would be stupid. It's supposed to fucking Blue Falcon? Yeah, do it. Just fucking do it. It's crazy. Like, my cultural reference for the blue falcon is harvey birdman attorney at law right where his name is the blue falcone and he loves giving everyone silk scarves <laughs> and i think that's like most people's <laughs> cultural touchstone for the blue falcon is something like that so it's so crazy for them to be like this kids will latch onto this every kid will want a blue falcon uh, like action figure or whatever people will be clamoring for a blue falcon spin-off but no, that's not the case. Well, and Nobody wants that. And like they were saying that this was going to be the beginning of like a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe, right? right? Like that was the plan? Yeah. And it's it's so strange because like, God. yes, Blue Falcon is kind of known a little bit in a cultural zeitgeist because of Dino Mutt, his dog, who I did watch growing up. I did watch Dino Mutt cartoons. When I watched Dino Mutt cartoons, it was part of Dino Mutt the dog wonder. And he didn't fucking hang out with the Blue Falcon. He was just doing stuff by himself. Even <laughs> even in his own show, the Blue Falcon plays second fiddle to the talking dog who's more interesting than him. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not even the actual Blue Falcon in this movie. Like, if they wanted to make the Blue Falcon yeah. the focus, like, right. say they were like, we're making a superhero film that Scooby and the gang are in, and then they could have just picked the original Blue Falcon and done a superhero movie. Right. Because, like, he wasn't cool. Like, the Blue Falcon, I didn't like seeing him on screen. I never enjoyed anything that happened to him <laughs> right. or with him. Right. So, like, it's, you know, like, they made him pathetic. They made him this weird, terrible... Uh, it's yeah. it's the most exhausting movie I have ever watched. It's true. Like, I just... It's a lot. I just couldn't cope. Hey, I'm looking uh, on, on Wikipedia, and apparently they're making live-action versions of the Jetsons, the Flintstones, and Wacky Races. And Tom and Jerry. Which is cr- Tom and Jerry live was supposed to come out Tom in December. Yeah, live action animation hybrid was supposed to come out in December of this year. Probably not going to happen because of COVID. But um, still may not happen because it's just a fucking terrible idea. And that was also going to star Ken Jong. What? Yeah, I went down the what? rabbit hole this morning. I did not appreciate it. It made me mad and it doesn't make any fucking sense. Because, like, looking at Wikipedia, it seems like it's implying that Scoob is the beginning of the cinematic universe. Right. And then they'll add the Jetsons, the Flintstones, Wacky Races and that. But Wacky Races, the Flintstones, and Jetsons are going to be live action. So how are they going to be? 
What's I, I would say that out of all those ideas, the Jetsons is the only one that actually sounds like it could work. So you'll be back on the podcast to yeah. talk about the Wacky Look. Racers movie in a year and a half. Fucking hell. Oh, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I will be here and I will be equally as upset <laughs> when that happens. <laughs> Oh, my God. Like, I mean, like, we can only hope that this film did so poorly critically (laughs) and commercially that Warner Brothers just, like, pull the pin and they're like, okay, it's not happening. We're going to move away from this. Fuck all of our other franchises. We're just going to keep pumping out mediocre superhero movies about Batman. That's the dream. That's that's all we can hope for. Because the thing is that they get to the end of the movie, right? And they have, like, this big, like credits teaser that's such a fucked up sequel tease right where like during the movie they don't have any of these characters and then in the credits they're like hey remember like jabberjaw and the great grape ape and uh adam ant don't you want to see them like you could see them if you watch this movie five times in theaters (laughs) like don't you want to see i'm like no i don't actually give a fuck about those characters and if jabberjaw had showed up in this movie that would have been kind of fun cool like yeah absolutely I think with the accumulated nostalgia that Hanna-Barbera has got for all of their old cartoons from like the 60s and 70s, they can probably get one movie out of it. That's that's it. I I think they can get one movie. I think a Jabberjaw cameo is all the world will ever want. That's they'll use up any nostalgia they have with that. (laughs) And here's the thing is that to make that work, if you really want to do like this big cinematic universe thing, make it a spider-verse like make it so that adults can really enjoy it give the characters genuine arcs somehow like figure that out for jabberjaw fucking figure it out and if you can't don't make a jabberjaw movie right like (laughs) if you can figure out how to make all these characters appear in one movie and make it make sense and make it fun and make it somehow cathartic i think that they could do that i think that it would take them embracing what makes the shows goofy but not even making it more adult just making it more accessible for adults like yeah spider-verse isn't a movie that i'm like a kid couldn't watch this like i'd take a seven-year-old to watch spider-verse but yeah, i also absolutely. as an adult fi- watched it like five or six times and enjoyed it so it's an incredible film yeah for sure and that i think you're right that just comes down to like interesting characterization and making the people feel like like actual real people and i guess there's this weird problem i suppose that like every movie or like remake or whatever of scooby-doo that tries to do is they're like these are the archetypes of these characters and so we have to make fun of these archetypes or like take them in as in a in a strange direction or like we're limited to what's already been done before and i guess what spider i mean like i i don't know i've not really read the comics but what spider-verse did well is it seemed like they were just like Look, this is what our Peter Parker is going to be like. This is what our, you know, our our Aunt May is going to be like. Because we can pick and choose and we can make them something interesting. Plus a great soundtrack, you know, that this movie didn't have at all. And and they have like eight different versions of a very similar archetype in that. They have like eight different versions of Spider-Man and they're all distinct and they're all interesting. And it's like, why don't you cop that a little bit? Like, why don't you fucking cop from yourselves? Like Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase, right? Had like that moment where the modern mystery ink meets the 1960s mystery ink and they're like wow we're so different but kind of the same that's weird and yeah. here's how we're different fucking do Absolutely. that and like bring in like pub name scooby-doo what's new scooby-doo fucking all of them like scooby-doo where are you and the live action movies and just be like cameo city 
you know? Yeah, absolutely. Give me Scooby-Doo, Enter the Scooby-Verse. That's a movie I think I'd enjoy. That would be fucking make, sick. Make, It'd be so good. Or just pick one audience. Be like, yeah, we're making exactly. a, a movie for kids. We're making a movie for kids, so we're not going to have any references to old Scooby-Doo. We're going to get rid of the pretense. Let's not even make it a Scooby-Doo movie. Or we're making a Scooby-Doo movie for people who loved Scooby-Doo as a kid to give them a sense of nostalgia. Right. So let's make a, a movie that is everything that was great about Scooby-Doo in one film. Yep. But you can't have it both ways. Or... Like, let's just make a weird, cynical, animated film. Like, let's make a Blue Falcon like movie. Let's just do that. Right. Let's fuck off Scooby-Doo. Like, you got so many options, but instead they tried to do all fucking 20 at once, and it was just soulless. And the thing is that I think that you can take all of those wildly veering ideas and tones and make them all mash up into one thing. Like, if we're talking about having it be like a big crossover of, like, Spider-Verse proportions... You can have like old school campy Scooby Doo and like yeah. Scooby Doo Apocalypse, edgy Scooby Doo, and have them meet and have that be what's funny about it that they're different and that they don't get along and then they figure it out, you know? But like, yeah, they do nothing. Like, that would be thrilling to see like the live action actors somehow all show up as their characters, but like in their 40s. <laughs> that would be yeah. so fun. That would be a Fuck blast. It. Absolutely. But. This movie sucks. Not shit. at all what we got. <laughs> Not great. So bad. Also, it's just yeah. Looks zero stars. Go. Yeah, on. exactly. It's fucking terrible, and I do not want to watch it again. I almost bought this before I watched it, and I'm so glad I didn't. There's so much that can be done with like Scooby Doo as a franchise, and I think of all the Hanna Barbera TV shows that that were made, it is kind of the only one that has like a sizable amount of nostalgia that people could latch onto and that could make a movie entertaining and do well i don't right. think fucking the flintstones or the jetsons or even wacky races is really as like appreciated or as beloved as scooby-doo is scooby-doo's had so many incarnations over the years that basically every generation has enjoyed it as a kid right in one way or another mm -hmm. but for some reason they just never quite capitalize on it properly when they're making a movie and you just get dog shit like this. Why was there a, a This American Life reference so oh early in God. this movie? Yeah, it's so weird that it's part of the repackaging of the characters and being like, they were born in 2003. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. No, that doesn't make Why? any sense. When I watched the cartoon in 2003, they were 20 years old. Adults. And that was yeah. already 30 years after they were invented. <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah. It's weird that seven-year-old Shaggy had a smartphone and listened to podcasts. Like, shut the fuck up. Get out of here. <laughs> I liked that seven-year-old Shaggy was clearly an unlikable kid. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, he's like, true. I have no friends, but they never gave me a reason for him having no friends. So you're like, I guess this kid sucks. Like, I guess nobody will be his friend but a dog. Mm -hmm. That's great. You know what? The, the one good thing about the Ira Glass cameo is that it means that maybe we can get a chance to be in the sequel when it comes up. Because Shaggy That's does listen true. to the podcast, and he does <laughs> seem like somebody who would love Sans Pants Radio. Absolutely. listening. Shaggy's going to be listening to cynical cartoons on the same beach and being <laughs> yeah. like, wow, they are not kind to me. They, <laughs> they, they have called me pathetic more than once. Uh -huh. Damn. Fuck this Look, movie sucks. Fuck this movie don't watch this movie. Yeah. If you've watched the movie, somehow figure out a way to unwatch the it's movie. It's true. I'm going to neuralize myself after this, like Men in Black. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the same. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch all of season one of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Where they didn't care about 
trying to make it entertaining. They it's had a budget true. of like $10. It's true. They weren't up their own asses about how do we make Fred, Daphne, and Velma different? No, they were like, yeah. how do we rip off another cartoon that we just made three months ago to make it profitable? How do we use the same sound? If we've got 20 sound effects, <laughs> yeah. we're going to use this across three seasons of a TV show. Let's make it last. You want... Back when they, the only question they had was, how are we going to come up with a new kind of ghost for the Mystery Inc. team? You know? Yeah. Those were the days. Oh my God, they don't fucking fight any ghosts in this. It's so sad. It's not a single ghost. At the beginning, no, at the beginning of the movie, they fight, they see like all of their iconic fiends that they used to fight. And they're like, hey, look, here's like Mm -hmm. the the fucking... The submariner, and here's the the creepo or whatever. Look at that. They did all the yeah. things that you wanted to see them do in this movie, and now that all that boring shit's out of the way, let's fucking go to space. Yeah, we know you fucking hated Scooby-Doo. We know everybody watching this movie loathes the Mystery Inc. team. So fuck all that, all, that mystery-solving shit off. We're going to go through the movie so we can get to the credits and show you the great gray pipe, what everyone's clamoring for. <laughs> Who even the fuck was Grape? I don't what did he fucking do? know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh my god. This movie's fucking hey, terrible. well, there's a strain of pot called Grape Ape, according <laughs> to Wikipedia. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh my god. Oh boy. So that's Scoob. Yeah. Thank you, Jackson, for joining me on this episode. We fucking talked about this movie when it was announced like a year and a half ago. We knew exactly what it was going to be, and we still got our fucking hopes up. (laughs) You could probably listen back to that episode, and we were like, this is going to suck shit, and we're so excited. Um, Yeah, I'm sure back then we we were like, maybe it'll be this, maybe it'll be that. Our eyes were so full of hope. We should have known. What's wrong with us? Goddamn. Well, I look forward to in another 10 years when they're doing, they're trying again, doing another episode of Cynical Cartoons on fucking <laughs> do with an exclamation mark or whatever. Yeah, it's going to be, be like <laughs> SC0084 or whatever the fuck. <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> oh my God. Just truly abominable yeah don't watch it bad shit bad shit um jackson thank you so much for joining me on this episode <laughs> anytime anytime where can people find you online if you head to sanspantsradio.com you'll see all of the podcasts that we do here at sanspants and i am on a lot of them so pick one there's a chance i'll be there if you want to follow me on twitter i'm at all dogs are dead so yeah check me out great and i'm on twitter at stop mia Thank you for listening to the Cynical Cartoons podcast for another week. And as always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant, and I'm here if you need to talk. The speech is my recital. I think it's very vital. To Why do I know this voice? Time, it's tricky in the title. Tricky! Wow. What a tasty treat. Club sandwich, which is everything. Someone who eats everything. I don't have to guess because I know exactly who this is. Scooby-Doo! Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.